Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Grace Church on Wednesday evening. It's great to see all of you here that can be with us on campus tonight for Bible study. And for those of you that are joining us via live stream and Facebook Live, we'd like to say welcome to you as well. But it's great to see all of you. Just want to make uh, one quick announcement um, before uh, I leave you with a little thought before Pastor comes this evening. So uh, we do want to make you aware that Sunday, October 3rd, there will be a baby dedication. So that's baby dedication Sunday. And if you have a baby that you would like to have dedicated, we ask that you please get your information into the church office as quickly as possible so we can be ready for that. And you know, as always, you can just uh, stay tuned with what's going on at Grace Church by checking out the events tab on the website or our church app. Before Pastor comes this evening, I just wanted to leave you with uh, a quick thought, something I came across today. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, uh, King Jehoshaphat is, is facing an um, invasion uh, from the Moabites. And he says, oh God, will you not judge them for... We have no might against this great company that's coming against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are on you. You know, breakthrough prayers are often very different from other prayers. You know, a lot of times I will pray and I will ask God for his help or for his strength or for his wisdom. And when I say, God, I need your help with this, that means that I think that I can deal with the situation as long as he helps me. And there's nothing wrong with those types of prayers, but a breakthrough prayer is different. In a breakthrough prayer, I say, God, I can't possibly do this. There's no way that I can do this. It's beyond my ability. God, I, I need you to do this. I need you to take care of it. It's the prayer that you pray whenever you feel absolutely powerless and helpless. King Jehoshaphat recognized his own ability, inability. He recognized his own inability, and he focused on God's ability. He said, we're helpless in the face of this large army that is coming against us. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you, God. We're looking to you. You know, you should do the same thing whenever you're praying for a breakthrough in your life. First, you need to tell God exactly how you feel. That's what King Jehoshaphat did. He already knows how you feel. It's not going to hurt his feelings if you tell him. Tell God how you feel. Do you feel powerless? Do you feel like you've been battling something constantly without any change? Do you feel like it's just way bigger than you are? Well, tell God about it. Let him hear about it. Tell him how it feels hopeless. Tell him how you feel weak. You know, if you're connected to God... You don't have to be powerful or all-knowing because he is all-powerful and all-knowing. You don't have to be everywhere at once doing everything because he's everywhere at once and he can do anything. So what do you do when you're in a situation that you cannot control, that you cannot manage, that you cannot change? This is the part you're really going to like. You should just wait. You should wait and trust all of the things that you know to be true about God. You know, it occurs to me that faith can look very different depending on the season that you're in. 
I'm going to let that sink in for just a minute. Faith can look very different depending on the season that you're in. You know, sometimes faith means picking up a sling and running into the valley to face the giant like David did. But sometimes faith means waiting. Sometimes faith means you just stand still, you wait, and you trust. Because if you try to do something about it, then it puts control back in your court. And that's why we can't often get the breakthrough that we need because we keep taking back control. This is what faith looked like in 2 Chronicles after King Jehoshaphat prayed his prayer and said, God, we can't do anything about this. We need you. We're looking to you. It says that all of the men of Judah with their wives and their children were standing there in the temple. And that doesn't mean that they went to church for five minutes and it was all better. The language there indicates that they may have stood in the, in the temple for hours, for hours. But by simply standing, they were saying to God that what they were facing was too big for them. They were at the end of their rope, but they stood and had the faith to wait because they trusted that God would provide a solution that they could not possibly manufacture on their own. If you're in need of a breakthrough tonight, I want you to follow their example. Wait, watch, trust. God's got you. He's got you. God bless you this evening as pastor. Thank you, Jason, for that. And uh, very well done, very well said. Great to see all of you here tonight. Thank you so very much for coming. And um, along with uh, Jason, we welcome all of our guests here tonight. And I appreciate so very much you being here. And uh, we trust tonight that you're being here will certainly be a blessing. I'm planning tonight to make the best of my being here. Um, I want my trip to church tonight to be worthwhile. And everybody said amen. This past Sunday, we launched a theme that we will be running at least to the end of the year. It's unprecedented. I've never launched a theme a little over halfway through a year. But with all the stuff of the past 18 months. I don't have to say anything about all that. You know it. Uh, I feel like God is ready for us to maybe not focus so much on what's going on around us and our culture to become more kingdom focused. And if we will, he'll take care of the things going on around us. He always has. And I don't believe he will stop now. So tonight I'm going to deviate just a little bit from what we are accustomed to on Wednesday night. I did two Wednesday nights ago. It was very treachy. Uh, tonight I'll be probably more preachy than I will teachy, if those are words and what have you, but you get the point. But I am determined to move forward again, to see this church move in the direction that God wants it to go. And uh, I think we've set for kind of uh, idling for a long time. We've not really known what to do, what to expect. If I've learned anything from the past 18 months and all the things that we've been through with that is that I, I hope we've learned that it's still necessary to keep a kingdom focus regardless of what's going on around us. And I'm going to prove that tonight early on 
in the presentation that I want to give to you tonight. I want to read tonight from Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 10. It's a very powerful verse in the Bible. Um, I believe it's coming directly from the heart of the Apostle Paul. When he said to the church at Philippi, he said that I might know him, speaking of Jesus. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now you think about that. He wants to know Jesus in that moment Jesus was resurrecting himself from the dead. But he also said, I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. So I want to know him resurrecting from the dead. I also want to know him when he's being crucified. And what Paul is saying here is I want to know him in the ultimate of his deity as God. But he also said I want to know him in his lowest estate, his lowest state of humanity, which was a man being nailed to a cross. He said being made conformable unto his death. If by any means... I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, one thing, this one thing I do, I reach Forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forth, I reach forward unto those things which are before. I want to preach to you for a little while tonight, and yes, I said preach to you. I want to preach to you for a little while tonight about kingdom priorities. Not our priorities, not what we think is important, but what God knows is important. Ben Tier taught a Bible study here several Wednesday nights ago, and uh, I thought it was simply outstanding, and it had to do with us keeping our focus, keeping our attention where it needed to be. God knows we've been distracted by everything you can imagine. We've had the C word for the past 18 months. I've got to where I even hate to say it anymore. I've heard it so many times, I've said it so many times that, that literally I just don't want to say it no more, the C word. So I don't say it, if I can help. We've had all of that, we've just had a hurricane, we've had numerous things going on in our culture. It occurred to me over the past several days, and we hear a lot at church about the Apostle Paul. People talk about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul this, the Apostle Paul that. The Apostle Paul did everything seemingly except walk on water. He was a mighty, mighty man of God. He wrote over half of the New Testament. We know his story. He um, was on the wrong side of the fence for a long time. Uh, persecuting Christians and all of that. You know his story about how he was struck down and was blind and all of that, and God was merciful and allowed him to convert. And you hear all of these amazing, eloquent stories about the Apostle Paul, and rightfully so. 
He helped God and steer the church through Europe, through Asia, through that known part of the world. He was powerful. He was used of God. And honestly, I believe that it would be fair to say that most people that knew him were scared of him. They were either scared of him because of what he used to be or they were scared of him because of what he was now. He would either kill you prior to his conversion if you were a Christian or after he converted, he could tell you what you were thinking. He was that kind of man. Had experiences with God that I don't believe the New Testament records nearly all of it. But I think what we don't hear enough of when it comes to the Apostle Paul is how incredibly determined he was to keep kingdom priorities. I know I've, I've heard modern day Pentecostals say, well, that the people that lived during the time of the book of Acts and the New Testament and all that, they had it better than we did. Oh, no, they didn't. They were under a government that was probably one of the most heathenistic governments that's ever ruled and reigned on this planet and when you're a Christian person and you're being fed to a lion for other people's entertainment that's a pretty demented government so the book of Acts was a time of great glory great power but it was also a time of a lot of suffering and a lot of persecution the mighty apostle the apostle Paul as mighty as he was in his relationship with God have you considered what he went through while he was being that mighty man of God? Have you thought about it? He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night in the day, and I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, and weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches. Through all of that, I'm going to ask you like I did two Wednesday nights ago when I talked about Caleb, put yourself in that place. What would we say tonight if there was someone here, if there was... if there was someone, a modern-day Paul was here that had that kind of resume when he came to this pulpit. How would you feel about that? Would you be a little more attentive to what he had to say? This man went through some things. Yes, he did. He experienced the cruelty of mankind that you and I can hardly even fathom. But he kept kingdom priorities no matter what he went through 
You didn't find him getting offended. You didn't find him quitting. You didn't find him giving up. It seems to me with the Apostle Paul, the more they persecuted him, the more powerful he got. The more they went after him, the more determined he got. I want to submit to Grace Church tonight as we launch this past Sunday, moving forward again. You and I, what's going on in our culture right now, I think there's people here tonight have realized this stuff isn't going, it's not going to go away. I don't think we're going to find life very, very close to normal anymore as we've known it in the past. I think there's going to be things that's going to be hurled at the church from now till rapture. And we're going to have to learn to absorb it and to maintain a kingdom focus. And everybody said amen. So Paul was determined. And in the scripture reading I read to you in Philippians, he said, I'm forgetting about the past. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to make myself into a martyr. I'm not going to gripe and complain. I'm not going to moan and groan. I'm not going to let my heart ache over the way it was yesterday and last year and three years ago. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to forget about what's behind me. I'm going to forget my past and persecuting people, killing people. I'm going to, I'm going to put all of that behind me. And I'm going to establish, listen to pastor tonight. I'm going to establish in my mind kingdom priorities and nothing is going to distract me from the purpose that God has called me to and I would to God tonight that Grace Church could follow suit and that same example that you and I would become determined we're going to be determined We've got the C word going on now. There's at least three strands of it floating around our country right now, as I understand. I'm sure there's more coming. There's going to be masks. There's going to be vaccinations. There's going to be boosters. All that stuff is going to be debated everywhere you go. Everybody's got their own opinions. All of that. We're going to have hurricanes. We're going to have this. We're going to have that and all of that. You and I as a church, as Christian people, if we want to truly follow the book of Acts, standard or it's going to learn how to absorb these things and at the same time maintain a consistent faith, confidence, trust and belief in God and in the Word of God. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord tonight. So tonight I want to, this is going to be very simple, but I am beginning a process of building and moving forward, I'm working with our, with our mind tonight, with our attitude and so on. I think Grace Church is doing amazing, but we have a long ways to go. We do. The first thing I want to submit to you tonight, and it comes from, uh, again, two Wednesday nights ago when I talked to you about uh, Gideon and him leading just 300 people into this crazy battle. Their only weapons were a pitcher like you pour water with, a lantern, and a trumpet. It's the craziest thing you'll ever read. And they were insanely victorious. But God told him, God told Gideon, that I am going to whittle your army down to nothing so that when you win the victory, you will know that it was me that gave you that victory and not you yourself. You're going to know that. 
beyond any shadow of a doubt. Tonight, I want you and I to reflect for just a moment. In John chapter 9, verses 25 through 41, actually the whole chapter, is an incredible story of Jesus and his disciples walking up on a blind man. And they, the disciples asked Jesus, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither, but that the glory of God might be made manifest in him. I would like to stop right there for a moment. And I believe tonight with all of my heart, all of these things has befallen us. And perhaps God has whittled not only this church, but other churches has kind of cut in deep and it's kind of gotten a little uncomfortable and a little nerve-wracking and what have you. But I believe the voice of God is heralding right now, at least in my mind, that God is saying, I'm going to whittle you down a little bit, and I'm going to give you an amazing victory. And when you experience it, you're going to know it's me, that I did it. It wasn't you. It wasn't your planning. It wasn't your ideas. It wasn't your thoughts. It was a sovereign move of God that gave you the victory. And I cling to that tonight, and I believe it with all of my heart. Praise God. So Jesus told his disciples, this has nothing to do with this man's sin. It has nothing to do with his past. His parents has nothing to do with that. find it interesting that the disciples said, who did sin, this man or his parents? We all know, it's been common in our society now for probably 20 years, that I'm an idiot because of my mother and daddy. I'm an idiot because of this one in my family, because of that one in my family. My family made me this person I am. My face, my family's well, my family's well, whatever. It's interesting that they even played that card way back then. And Jesus said neither. But that the glory of God might be made manifest in him. I would like for us to refocus on who we are tonight, just for a few minutes. I want us to refocus on our identity. I know there's people here tonight, I've talked to most of you uh, along these lines that, that, that feel like these things are is something in your head that I can't grow in my relationship with God, I can't pray like I want to, I can't have faith like I want to. All of, all of our lack is blamed on something external around us. It's you know family, parents, marriage, bad marriage, bad this, bad that, bad job, no money, no this, no that, whatever. Could it be? That God has let a lot of us just go through a whole lot of stuff so that we could reach a time just like this one where he could say, I'm going to make something out of you that you never dreamed possible because when I do, you will know that it was, it was me that did it. Not your college degree, not your bank account, not the standing you have on your job, not your political clout, not your social clout, not the number of friends you have on Facebook and all the contacts you have in your phone is based on none of that. It's based on absolutely none of that. <clears throat> if you achieve any greatness at all in this life, God is saying, it is going to be because of me. <clears throat> We've got to refocus, folks. Y'all got to help me here tonight. <clears throat> Y'all got to help me. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So Jesus heals the man. Spits in the ground, makes clay of the spittle and the dirt. Sends him to wash in the pool of Siloam. We all know the story. <clears throat> when the man came back, the people that knew him, they knew him in two ways. They knew him as a blind man and they knew him as a beggar. That was his identity. He was blind and he was a beggar. He couldn't see and he didn't have any money. 
He had no influence, no clout, nothing. Nobody gave this man the time of day. Once in a while, somebody would walk by and throw a few coins in his cup, and that was about it. That's all he got. Until Jesus came on the scene. And now, all of a sudden, he's the most popular man in town. He comes back seeing, and somebody said, Hey, isn't that the blind man? How is it that he's walking around? How can he see? And so they asked him. They went and got the Pharisees, those wonderful group of people, and I went and got them and, and started asking, how did all this happen? And most of you know the story. They asked the man, what happened? He said, all I can tell you is that a man named Jesus came and healed my eyes and I could see. Pharisees didn't want to accept that answer. So they went and summoned his parents. I'm going to make a very long story short. You can read it in John chapter 9. It excites me every time I read it. They went and got his parents. His parents got scared of the Pharisees. And they said, we don't know who healed him either. But he's a grown man. So if you want the answer, go ask him. So they went back to the man. They asked him the second time. And now he's the, the man. I love his attitude. I do. I love his attitude. He's excited and thrilled over this amazing miracle that came out of nowhere. And he knew that somebody with supernatural force did it. He knew that. I don't think y'all are hearing me tonight, but I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep slugging at it. So they asked him again, who healed you? And he got a little snippy. The way I read it in the New Testament, he said, I've told you once, and you didn't believe me. Does that mean if I tell you again that you will? He said, I'm telling you. That there was a man named Jesus that came and healed me. He healed me. This thing that he has done is marvelous. And he made this statement. I don't know all about theology. I'm giving you the Glenn Murphy commentary. I don't know about all about theology. I don't have commentaries to read. I haven't studied in the, in the synagogues like you Pharisees have every day. I don't know all of that. But this one thing I do know is I used to be blind. But now I see. And I want everybody here tonight to understand. You were not always who you are now. You were not. But Jesus came along one day and gave you a brand new identity. You can sit there and stare at me all you want to. But you wouldn't be where you are. You wouldn't be living like you're living. I need more than just four or five people on your feet right now. I think somebody needs to be excited about who you are because you're a child of God. You've been blood-bought. Your sin has been forgiven. All the nasty things you did in your past, it's all gone. It's all over with. Why? Because Jesus came along. I don't think we have a right to boast over who we are. I just don't because we wouldn't be nothing. If it were not for him. There's people here tonight. I'm going to say the church. Jesus saved your life. And he provided for you and your family an environment. To thrive in. To work in. To live in. To absorb. This man's whole entire life. All of his past. Is now irrelevant. It's not applicable anymore. He's not a blind beggar anymore. 
He can probably see better than anybody in town. And he has this not only natural sight, but something has gone off in his head. He's had some spiritual insight now. And this is what, where I'm wanting us to get again. We're moving forward again. This is where I want us to get again. I want us to enjoy tonight. I want us to relish in the fact that we know that there's one God and His name is Jesus. I want us to relish in that. I want us to absorb that here tonight. I'm not on some lost wayward path wallowing around in false doctrine and some man's fables and stories about a God that doesn't even exist. I stand here tonight on the word of God behind this sacred desk and proclaim to you, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We'll fast forward to the New Testament and now we know that his name is Jesus. I'm not serving two gods, three gods, or a hundred gods. I'm serving one God and I'm excited about that tonight. It's a part of who I am. He's the one that came and redeemed me and saved my soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have we forgotten the value of forgiveness? I don't know. Maybe God help us if we've reached this point, but maybe we don't feel like we need to be forgiven too much anymore had a conversation with somebody not too long ago and boy they made it very clear that I repent every day I'll tell you who it was it was Sister Tenny when she was here several months ago she said I repent every day she said I repent two or three times a day remember she taught the, 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 the gave the presentation on heaven that Sunday morning she wants to go there and so she repents she repents often I can't imagine what all she's repenting of she seems to be a pretty awesome person to me but if she needs to do that every day two or three times, where does that leave me, right? I can hold up a big mirror here tonight and do like this with it. And where does that leave all of us? How many are thankful tonight for forgiveness, for repentance? How many is thankful tonight that you've been baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus? And not only have you been forgiven of those sins, but they've been washed away. So if you ask God, that God, I'm really sorry about the sin I committed last week. He can respond honestly and say, what sin? Because he washes them away and forgets all of that. And, and for those of us that have enjoyed the infilling of the Holy Ghost, I received the Holy Ghost when I was 12. I guess that's probably, what, about 42 years, 52 years ago. I received the Holy Ghost as a little boy. I've never forgotten it. I still know I remember what it felt like. The preacher laid his hand on me and I jumped straight up from a kneeling position and danced and shouting, speaking in tongues. I'll never forget that. But it didn't stop there. That was only the beginning. It happens to me often that God fills me up with his presence over and over and over. I've got a kingdom priority in my heart tonight and that is my identity. And I can't explain everything about Jesus either. But I know this. He came and changed my life and turned my world upside down. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. The blind man said this one thing I know. Then when you traverse on through the New Testament, you find a very sad story. I think it's a sad story. 
of when a rich man came to Jesus in Mark chapter 10. The Bible said he ran to Jesus, ran, fell at his feet and worshipped him. And then he said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why callest thou me good? Went through all of that. And then Jesus looked at him and said, uh, you know what the law of Moses says. Do not kill, don't steal, don't lie, all of that. Don't commit adultery. Um, do that. And the young man responded and said, uh, all of those things have I observed from my youth. This is going to get a little uncomfortable. You want a kingdom priority. Young man said, I've done that since I was a child. It sounds like Pentecostals that I know. As I just referred to my own self, I received the Holy Ghost when I was 12. Some of you received the Holy Ghost younger than that. And we've lived this Pentecostal faith, Pentecostal doctrine. We have traditions that we live. We have convictions that we live. We have Bible that we live. We have all of that. And we answer Jesus when we feel a little bit convicted and we feel a little compelled to draw a little closer to him. God, what else can we do now? We've observed your law. What else can we do? And Jesus said, go home and sell everything you have and come back and follow me. And that's where the fellow drew a line. You've asked a hard thing. I don't think I can do that, Jesus. And the Bible said he went away grieved. The rich man went away grieved because he had great possessions. I believe one of the greatest priorities we have as a church is our willingness to be available to whatever God needs. That we could get a little uncomfortable. We say we're thankful for that repentance and we're thankful for that forgiveness and we're thankful for the Holy Ghost and we're okay with the lifestyle. I mean, some of us cheat here and there and we, you know, depending if we're on vacation or not, we do this and that. And, uh, we deviate a little bit here and there and get a bad attitude, we'll deviate a little bit and whatever. But for the most part, God, we live by the commandments. We live by what you teach in the word of God. So is there something else I can do, Jesus, to be a little more worthwhile to your kingdom? And Jesus says, I need you to be willing to give everything up that you have and come follow me. I don't believe Jesus expected the man to go home and sell everything he had. But I do believe Jesus expected him to be willing to do it. I say amen. I believe one of the greatest attributes we can bring to God is a willingness to do with whatever it is that he wants us to do. And when you're not willing, it doesn't matter how many of the commandments you obey and follow. You're still not as valuable to the kingdom as you could be. Obedience is a great attribute. It's a great thing. It's a great value, and you're not going to get anywhere without it in your relationship with God. And the Bible's very clear on that. But there also has to be that element of willingness. Parents here tonight, 
your children can obey you, but it doesn't mean they're willing to do it. They do it because they have to. It's a big difference when you ask them to go set out the garbage and they say, sure, Mom, I would be happy to. And the other option is, I can't stand setting out the garbage. I hate when my mother has me do I can't stand her. It's a big difference. The garbage gets set out, but the attitude is what makes the difference, right? Y'all follow me here tonight? We have to understand if we want to move forward in our relationship with God, if we want to move forward in our relationship in the kingdom, our personal relationship with God, our church relationship with God, we can't just sit back and say, God, are you pleased with me because I've obeyed all of your commandments? Is there more that I can do? God's going to always ask you, what about your willingness to give, to serve, and to commit? Jesus told this rich man, there's one thing that you lack. One thing. You're a great man, but you lack one thing, and that is willingness. To conclude tonight, I want to go to a story that all of you are no doubt familiar with, most of you. It's the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. When Jesus came to visit, you know the story. Those of you that were at the uh, National Bible Quizzing uh, Tournament, uh, I think in June, whenever it was, um, we went to the Sight and Sound Theater and watched the depiction of the ministry of Christ, and it was phenomenal. They did an amazing job. And they included this story where Martha was busy about the house serving, getting everything perfect. Mary was at the feet of Jesus, not helping in the kitchen. And Martha got really upset about that, got really offended by that. Service to Jesus is an awesome thing, Martha. But you don't want to serve for Jesus. You want to serve Jesus. Our serving, our doing, our giving, all of these things has to be unto him. I'm not here tonight trying to serve Jesus because he's here. I want to create an atmosphere that facilitates his being here. That makes him feel welcome here and if I will make him welcome here then he provides everything all the other needs that are in the house he provides for that and Martha missed that point that what he was doing had she followed suit with Mary and knelt down at the feet of Christ and just let him talk no doubt Jesus would have brought somebody in miraculously and prepared a meal he could have brought people in he fed he fed one of the prophets in the Old Testament with birds he he can he can get all the temporal things the menial things God knows how to get all of that kind of thing accomplished he knows how to get it done what our priority is when we come to the kingdom when we come to church is to serve him and we have to have that level of obedience as the rich man did in one part of his life but we also have to have the willingness to go along with it as Mary did when Jesus came to her house she was willing to serve And Jesus said about Mary to Martha is that, Martha, Mary has found that 
good thing. And it's not going to be taken away from her. I'm not going to ask her to leave my presence to go help you in the kitchen. I'm not going to ask for anything back. The thing that Martha missed, and I think when we come to church, a lot of us miss it as well, and I have on, on, on occasions. I'll be honest about it. I want everything to be so perfect in this building, and those of you that know me know that. Every, every light bulb has to be burning. I want the carpet cleaned. I want the chair straight. I want all of that. I, 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 it's not necessary for God. I just, when our guests come in, I want the building to look like we care about it. But sometimes I get lost in that and think that, well, God might be impressed by its beauty as well. But then when I think about how amazing heaven is, this is nothing. This is nothing. It don't even make it to the chart to rate it. it, it it's building is nothing compared to heaven. So my priority when I come to the house of God, and I'm going to ask you to come this way Sunday. I want you to come Sunday. If you're able to be here Sunday, I want you to walk through the door knowing who you are. You're, you're, you're not coming tonight. I'm going to be very respectful about what I'm going to say. You're not coming as a COVID survivor. I had it. Sister Murphy had it. Probably most everybody here tonight's had it. And we survived it. I'm not coming here to church next Sunday, and I'm not going to wake up in the morning for that matter, thrilled that I survived COVID. That's not my purpose. That's, I, I'm thankful I did. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not being stupid here tonight. I'm thankful I survived it. But I'm more thankful that I've been born again. Y'all understand me? So I'm thankful that uh, I have a few dollars in the bank. I'm thankful for that. But that's not why I'm excited and that's not why I'm happy and that's not what brings me fulfillment. What I'm happy about is that I have the promise of heaven. And I remember and I, I rehearse often all the amazing things that God has done in my life. I mentioned last night at prayer that there's things that's happened just in the past number of months that a lot of you know it, but I've not gotten up here yet and have enumerated some things that, that's happened with Sister Murphy and I that God has been amazing in our life. He has. And I'm thankful for that. And I do not want to become a person that identifies more with my culture around me than I do with the kingdom of God. We have to identify with the kingdom. If we're going to move forward, we have to learn to identify with the kingdom. So I'm going to ask you again, when you're with church people, when, especially church people, when you're your friends, can we not talk about COVID quite so much? And let's talk about some wonderful things that God has done, even if it's been more than 18 months ago for a lot of us. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about some scriptures? Can we talk about some amazing things? I was with somebody recently, Sister Murphy and I was, and we did the COVID thing COVID did, and I did a timeout. Let me jump horses real quick to something drastically different than this. Church was amazing Sunday. People, oh, yeah, it was. And it proves my point. It illustrates my point is a better way to say that. We've become so programmed with all the negative and, and what have you, and it just shoves God out. It just it, We don't mean to do it. It's not deliberate. It's not by choice. We lose a focus. Again, I'll remind you tonight in closing, read all the things that Paul went through. Go, go home and read that again if you need to. The man went through all this stuff. He went through far more than we have, far more than we have. He reached a point where he didn't know if he had a friend on this planet 
It's the truth. The church was terrified of him because of his reputation of killing people. Then the church was terrified of him because of how powerful he was. He couldn't win either way. Talk about a lonely life. He said, I was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. And of all these horrible things that's happened to me, all these horrible things that's happened to me, it never distracted me. And I'm continually moving forward. I'm continually moving, pushing. I'm not going to be a martyr. I'm not going to allow myself to complain and whine. I'm not going to run scared. I'm not going to hide. I didn't read the verse in, in, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians tonight, where he said that he, they, they, they tried to trap him in a city, and a few people felt sorry for him and let him over a wall in a basket, and he got away. Just all these crazy things that happened to him. But when his time finally came, he wrote to Timothy and said, the time of my departure is at hand. He was not even complaining when he was about to die. He still made a victory out of it. He encouraged Timothy, go on with the church. Go on with the kingdom. Keep the church fired up. Keep praying people through the Holy Ghost. Keep baptizing people. I'm using my terminology tonight. But he went on to say, my time of departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished the course and I have kept the faith. Cut my head off, buddy, because as soon as you do, I'm making a descent upward, and I'm going to be in a far better place than this one. I did what God wanted me to do, and I did it with all of my might, and I can leave here with peace in my spirit saying that I gave it all I had. I gave it all I had. Hallelujah to God. So I'm calling on you, Grace Church. We're going to get our culture back. We're, going to, we're working on it. We're going to be that church again. But I'm not stopping there. We've had our share of miracle signs and wonders. I shared with you Sunday about uh, Brother Billy seeing the angels just two Sundays ago. One over there, one over there with a sword in his hand. I'm confident God has us on a path. And it would be to our own detriment not to follow the will and purpose of God for our life. And I believe tonight with all of my heart that you folks are on board with it. I do. I feel the great attitude. I feel the great spirit. Let's reclaim our identity as apostolic people. And let's walk out of this building tonight in the fear of the Lord, believing that God is going to do marvelous things in the very near future at this church through us going to be this bunch this bunch thank the Lord stand to your feet tonight and clap your hands to the Lord in conclusion let's give him some praise and appreciation for him being here tonight hallelujah thank the Lord don't you love the Lord tonight don't you love the Lord tonight hallelujah blessed be the name of the Lord thank the Lord God bless you thank you for being here tonight uh, God bless you. We'll see you Sunday morning. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.